0: Dining room. I think, I think it's the dining room. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos, where a pastor's kid and a kids' ministry director talk about raising a Christ centered family. We're not sure we know what we're doing, but we are right in the thick of it, and this is how we're finding Christ in the Chaos. there. I'm Kathleen. And I'm Joel. And we're not going to give you our full biographies every single episode, but since this is episode one of this podcast, we are going to give you just a little bit of background information. We have been married now for just over nine years.
1: Nine years, six days.
0: Um, I am a late in life, not really late in life, but later in life uh, Christian. Um, I met Joel. Joel got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. And, um, I have been a Christian basically since I was about 25 years old and I've been working for a church as a kid's ministry director, um, since almost that point. (laughs) I think
1: as the great philosopher Eminem would say, I lit a fire under you.
0: Yes. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that. Okay. Um, and so we're both actually, uh, well, he'll tell you Go. You go next. Oh, may
1: I speak? Yeah. Uh, My name is Joel. I'm an attorney for the state. I'm also a lawyer. (laughs) That's
0: what I was going to throw in there earlier. Go ahead.
1: I'm not a kid's ministry director. I'm just uh, an attorney, which is uh, not as good. But I did grow up in the Lutheran Church, uh, Protestant Christian. My father was a pastor. My mother was a stay-at-home for most of my life. And then
0: your grandfather's also a pastor. My
1: grandfather is also a Lutheran pastor. I broke the mold.
0: And they literally lived on a parsonage on the church campus, which I feel like is an important little tidbit in this. Parsonage
1: you... is a fancy Latin word that yes. means small house. I only
0: know it because you guys lived in one. <laughs> but it, well, I imagine it has something to do with parson has roots in.
1: Could, I don't okay. know. But yeah, yes, because we did live in the parsonage. is. I've been a Lutheran my whole parson life. I've been a Christian Brown, my whole life.
0: It's got like a. Pastoral makes sense. Yeah, no, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so and then we have two kids. Uh, one is four and a half, and his name is Dane. And you had
1: to think way too long about that.
0: Well, I, I one of them just turned four and a half, and that is Dane. And then Levi is actually really almost three at this point. Um, so they're pretty close in age. They are they are both male, and um, Dane. I mean, we'll learn more about each one of them as they go. I'm not going to give you their full like breakdown that a mom wants to give you about each child's personality.
1: Yeah, cause so we need to save content for the pod.
0: Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so we are going to start out by every episode by doing a family check-in. Um, how we're doing, what issues have raised their heads, um, or how we're feeling. It's kind of like a temperature check of the family. Um, so do you want to start? Yeah, I can start. I think
1: temperature wise, we're. I don't know how the temperature works. Is hot bad or good? <laughs> you know, I, I feel think... like we're cold. I feel like we're coming out of the Christmas season. We're coming in, you know, we passed New Year's. We went up to visit my family who live far away. Uh, the we're, getting boys, the swing, we're getting back in the swing of things. We're getting back in the swing of things, but I think we're very. Uh, um, That's you. That's not how I feel at all. I think I'm happy, just, but I feel very like I'm so physically... happy to be back
0: in our into our routine. It's like I've been waiting all December. Oh, I love Christmas, but I've been waiting all December to like get the Christmas decorations put away and get back into going to the same place every week and knowing what's going on. Christmas. I believe the
1: technical term is bah humbug.
0: No, it's not bah humbug. No. It's just it's ah. it's uh it's I I appreciate the other side of Christmas. I appreciate. Um, And I I would say the one thing that that I am flying high on is that neither one of our kids has been sick since, like, I can't even remember the last time either one of our kids had a real—they both had, like, the sniffles this winter, but we have had the, like, not serious illness— but like the sickliest kids in the world, I know everybody thinks that, but we well, had, had the at least eczema. One
1: room trip. Yep, we had the winter. eczema,
0: asthma, food allergy on one side, and we have the ear infection kit on the other side that literally had 12 of them in. Um... All right, save some content. Sorry, I was just saying. I think I'm
1: the kids tired are not sick. From Christmas, it is nice to be back in the swing. But I think if we're checking in, and hopefully a lot of people can feel my pain as they're listening, that we're still recovering. Physically, if not emotionally. How about you? Temperature-wise, how are you doing? Uh, Remembering that we don't know if hot is good or bad.
0: (laughs) Well, okay. I am feeling very invigorated by the new year, Um, invigorated by having a little bit of a break, enough of a break to get our house really in order to absorb all of those Christmas toys. Um, I've spent my uh, last few weeks doing my favorite thing, my last couple weeks doing my favorite thing, which is organizing the house. And um, that is why I picked the topic that we picked for today, which is all about tidying.
1: What a great segue. I know.
0: (laughs) So the episode is going to be about tidying. And that's very like of the time because uh, Marie Kondo's new TV show on Netflix, Tidying Up, just went up. Um, But specifically today, we're going to talk about our relationship with stuff how we keep our house, and even more specifically, how the KonMari method uh, brought me, if not our whole family, closer to Jesus. And to start out, I wanted to kind of go over our family history of tidying. So how would you have <laughs> described our house when we first, first lived together?
1: Fine. No, <laughs> um, small, Very I guess. Very small. It wasn't actually that small. I don't know.
0: No, it really wasn't as probably. It was a two-bedroom, single bathroom. No, it wasn't that bad, considering Um, there were just two of us living there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I always described it as like the the apartment from Friends. Oh, the smaller one, like two bedrooms. Yes,
0: for size, that's a very fair assessment. And a
1: bathroom and small. Our living living area area wasn't quite as big,
0: but the the one thing I was going to say, and this is like the difference between you and me, saying fine. Um, we had basically two sets of stuff coming together, which I think is very common for a newly married couple. And then we also had wedding gifts. So we lived in a two bedroom apartment and we did nothing to get rid of any of our duplicates. And then we also got triplicates basically when we got our wedding gifts. Then we People moved. People were
1: very generous.
0: Yeah. We moved one two, three times in the next like year, actually in the next like four months, um, from our place in Sacramento to our place in Santa Cruz to my parents' house and to a new place. And really, in the next two years, we moved another time. So that's four times in, a, in about 15 months. And in none of those times did we look at what we had and evaluate. We just moved our stuff from place to place to place, regardless mm. of whether we needed it. Um, and we didn't think about it in our new space. We just carried our stuff around with us.
1: I don't know that we were really in a life place to look at our stuff and determine what we would need in the future. Well, we and didn't else, really know what the future was bringing. I think that's the thing is we, yeah. we were young and foolish and we didn't know what was coming.
0: Yeah, it's it got a little bit better when we moved into our first, like, big kid house. Um, but we still had, like, a an entire room, if not two rooms, that were dedicated to just, like, holding our extra stuff.
1: Well, we still have two rooms dedicated to holding extra stuff.
0: <laughs> we also just have two people living in them. Yeah,
1: they're the extra stuff.
0: <laughs> um, then there's the phase of getting ready for your kid. And... I think we might have overdone it to some extent, but I actually think we
1: and might have (laughs) are really interesting choices of words.
0: Well, so this is like the only time during this podcast that I'm going to be like against the minimalist um, like mindset. If I were having a baby today, I would need like four things. But before you have your first baby, you don't know how you're going to parent. You don't know what you're going to need. You don't know what you're going to use until you buy and keep all the things until you eliminate what you don't need. And so I just think, like, being untidy and having way more stuff than you need going into your first baby just makes sense until you figure out what works for you. Um, Maybe. And then we got to the – kind of, like, got through the baby phase, and like when we were really through the baby phase, when uh our my last kids stopped nursing, like that's and when we took away the bottles, those are kind of like the two big like threshold points for me. Um, and it was like I then it was like when the impulse came to like make a change with the way that we live our life. And um, d- did you you were you feeling it or do you like did you want to get rid of stuff or were you just happy the way it was?
1: I don't. I don't think I have the same relationship with tidiness you do. Mm. Um, (laughs) I don't either, though. I think I'm more, I see myself as being more worried about cleanliness and you're more worried about tidiness. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think the good example is uh, I will leave dishes on the counter, but I will always rinse them and scrape them. (laughs) uh, And you'll leave like half a glass of milk in the sink. and You're like, well, it's in the sink, so it's put away. And it's uh, and I, hired I would say, yeah, for this but reason. it's dirty. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, but yours is messy. And so I think we go back and forth on that. So I think the tidiness had a bigger impact on you, or I guess the lack of tidiness had a bigger impact on you than it did on me.
0: And I also think that for me, cleanliness, tidiness to me is a prerequisite of cleanliness. Like I can't get to the cleaning. It drives me like crazy well, to mean, try to clean something away.
1: that would be no i'm just saying it drives start. me
0: crazy to like even just with the kids cl- like toys i'm not gonna sweep the floor until the toys are picked up because that's silly to like sweep around legos well, yes
1: that's obviously silly. but that's
0: to me those two things are inextricably intertwined with
1: well, those particular yes you did find an example <laughs> the one example where you cannot well, i'm not clean. gonna clean
0: the kitchen until the stuff is off the counter because i'm gonna have to like wipe down the counter let's like that stuff comes up all the time and i think I think anybody listening to that is going to agree. Anyway, we yeah, got to... Th-
1: no, you definitely can't throw a banana peel away until you've tidied up all the dishes.
0: There's a banana peel sitting next to me right now. It's half a banana, to be fair, and I'm still eating it. But so we got to the point where um, I actually like had a little bit of breathing room. When Levi stopped nursing, I became a person again. And I started looking at like my life and evaluating it. I got these... Um, power sheets from Cultivate What Matters. I read a book as part of my book club and I loved the book. And so I started setting like life goals. It had lots and one of them had to do with decluttering. And I was like, yeah, I'll get to that. That'll be a thing that I do. And like one of the the sub goals of it was getting this book. And I got the book in the mail from Amazon and I started reading like the first 30 pages. And I was like, I have to have this in my life. I have to do it right now. So um, for like six weeks... I spent two to three hours a day going through her process, following her rules neurotically, and um, and just and getting rid of stuff. And just to be clear on what her process is, this is like a major, major simplification of what she does. But there's basically. But if you
1: listen now, you don't have to buy the book.
0: No, I would still buy the book because the book is incredible. We're
1: not sponsored by the book.
0: No, mm, buy the book. Buy the book. Read the book. Have your life be changed. But here are the two big things. One, what to keep. Basically, you evaluate by touch every item and keep only the things you want to take into that future that you want for yourself. You kind of imagine what the future you want to live in is like, and then you only take things into the future that you want for yourself. That's what you keep. And then how you keep it, the main concept that she has is that everything has a home in your space. You don't just have like... A junk drawer, or a junk closet, or a junk room, and everything has space to like be, and even has space around it so that you can actually see what you have because you tend to stockpile when you don't know what you have. So it's just keep what you want for your future, and then give each thing that you keep a home. And obviously, people remember about her the sparks joy when you touch the thing, um, you evaluate whether or not it sparks joy. And and really, I think that a better way of saying that because I mean, you keep like your potato peeler is that it's something that you want in your future. Um, so you're probably asking yourself at this point, what the heck does the KonMari method have to do with raising a Christ centered family?
1: I know I am.
0: So, um, it occurs to me that I put Bible verses in here and then did not look them up ahead of time, but I have my trusty phone. Um, I wanted to start with Matthew 19, 21 through 23. Okay. So basically there's a guy and he's like trying to be like, Jesus, what do I need to do to follow you? And he like, he's like, well, follow the Ten Commandments. He's like, I did it. I did it. And he says, okay, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, sell what you possess and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. And I mean, what he's really saying is not that rich people can't get into heaven. For me, what he's saying is that you should trust Jesus with what's really important and think eternally. So getting rid of your stuff is consistent with eternal thinking.
1: Also, I think you have the issue of, and this is an issue for us as a, as a society, when you are comfortable and safe and you don't need anything, you don't need anything. And so it's hard for, right, when you're wealthy and comfortable and you have everything, how do you rely on God? Why do you need God? What are you doing with or for God? Um, right, and it comes back to the, the two coats. If you have two coats. You don't need them. And so, you know, the rich man needs to get rid of his stuff because it it's becoming the idol, it's what he uses to make himself safe. It's what he uses to make himself comfortable instead of God, instead of Jesus, right? And it's really easy to surround ourselves with stuff. I mean, we have, you know, you, you press a button and the mailman comes to your house with stuff.
0: Well, I mean, I think mean, there's just the general, like, the obvious, like, surface level connection. Like, okay, well, with the KonMari method, you're told to get rid of your stuff. And Jesus says to get rid of your stuff, but the question is, like, what are we doing by stockpiling stuff? And when you stockpile stuff, what you're basically saying is, like, I don't trust that you're going to provide for me, and uh, I'm thinking about what's important in this life and not what's important in the next life. Um, because I want to have things and I want to be surrounded by things and I want to be ready for the things that are going to happen here. And Jesus is like, you don't have to worry about what's going to happen here because what happened here doesn't really matter. And that getting rid of your stockpile is a way of, it's an exercise of trust um, that you will be provided for in the way Jesus wants you to be provided for. Um, The next point, the Kunmari method teaches you that material things do not control you. And for that one, we're going to go to Matthew six twenty four. 24. Uh, I realized after doing the research for this that Matthew 6 is like the ultimate, um, Kunmari meditation. Like you can just read Matthew 6 over and over again. Okay. Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And while I realized that that is about money, um, I think, uh, it's just a powerful thing to reduce your possessions by half. It says that you know what the real blessings are in your life and you know where the real authority is in your life and that the stuff that you have and the things that you have accumulated have like are not the master of you. Um, so it's just yeah, and that
1: you can take that thing and say, I don't need this. Yes. You you know, I I have trouble with that because I I can think of scenarios where I need this. Um, I'm more of a stockpiler than you, I think. But I think saying, you know, I don't need this. this isn't this has this doesn't control me. I control what I need, and I don't need this um, well,
0: I think the the main culprit of um of causing a stockpile um there's a there's a fear element. there is a like I mean some people do it because they are off, like want to look good or whatever, but I think the main compliment is that so somebody you have something you've become you've come into possession of something and it has value. Um, it has like earthly value. You could sell it for money or it would cost you a lot of money to replace it. And we think, I can't just discard something that has earthly value. And if you are holding on to something that is cluttering up your life and filling your space space only because it has earthly value and not because it blesses you in any way that's important to God's purpose for you, then you're letting it be your master. And so the power that comes in taking half of your things and taking them into carfuls to the goodwill and just being rid of things that don't bless you because they don't have power over you anymore, that's that's the real deal. That is not letting stuff or material things become your master. Um, The, the third point was that Konmari teaches us to trust in God's provision. Um, so fortunately, we can go straight on to 620, uh, Matthew 625 on this one. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about anything in your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not, is not life more than food and body and more than clothing. Uh, look at the birds of the air; They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? and i think um aside from
1: i think we're really stretching the tidying up metaphor oh but. no
0: that's the easiest one i think because of because of what the first one is i'm holding or the the one where the master is i'm holding on to it because it has value but there's also i'm holding on to it because i'm afraid that i'll need it in the future i'm holding on to this 15th bottle of all purpose cleaner that i didn't like the streaks that it left on my counter because In the future, I might not be able to pay for it, and I won't be able to ever have all-purpose cleaner again. Like, the Bible says whatever, like a million bazillion times, do not be afraid. And this one tells you specifically, don't worry, I will provide for you. And when you stockpile things that have earthly value because you're afraid, that it's it's an act of a lack of faith to hold on to things like that. Yeah, but
1: I don't know if fear is the only reason we stockpile things. I would say it might not even be the main reason we stockpile things. I think, you know, we—
0: the, the one thing I'll say is that going through the method, the one of the main things that stops you from, I mean, not once you get going, once your brain clicks over, it does not do it anymore. But before you get going, the main thing is that I might need this someday. I might be without it and not be able to replace. It. It's like, it's out of a place of of fear or worry that you are getting rid of something that you need.
1: Yeah, we, but there's also the other end of it of why do we collect so much stuff to begin with and that magpie issue of just, I want more. You know, the I think it goes back to the last verse of having two masters. Yeah. Right? Who's the—you well, know, rather than we're afraid to get rid of stuff, we need and want more stuff. We want the shiniest thing. We want the newest thing. I
0: think that they're all factors. I think they're all reasons that the Kunmari method is a—can be a, like, straight-up, like, spiritual discipline if you do it with your heart on what God wants for your life instead of like, she says, imagine the life that you want for yourself. If you imagine the life that God has planned for you, if you keep God in the picture in this method, it is way it's so powerful because it really asks you to literally do a lot of the things that Jesus calls you to do. If you have two coats, get, you know, give one Mm -hmm. away. If you, um, you know, he tells the guy, give up your stuff and follow me. Like, it's a very literal application of things that Jesus literally said. And I think that the the master and the fear and the eternal thinking are all parts of the process.
1: Well, and she's very, she's very spiritual about it in a different way than maybe I would be. Yeah. In that she's, she's Shinto, right? Uh, well,
0: the, or... the, the, she, she doesn't, it doesn't, I'm pretty sure she's not religious of herself, but the, process is uh influenced by Shintoism which I'm not sure I don't know anything about except for KonMari method so thanks
1: the item or or gets in touch with the house which is not something maybe I would do I wouldn't go into a home and take a deep breath and try and connect with the house but I think you could look at that and say you know okay before I start organizing I'm going to you know, pray. I'm going to
0: ask God to be in this process. I'm yeah. going to
1: meditate on God and what does God want? Because when we're doing that process, we don't just want to get rid of stuff. We want to get rid of the stuff God wants us to get rid of. Right? Yeah, we or want it to really, be a blessed We want to keep
0: the stuff. We oh, want to keep this. Sounded the stu- super corny. No, but that's really what it is. You want, you have your idea of what God's God's view of what your life should be like. And you're doing a process of f- like a physical um, sacrificial type process that gets you closer to what that is. And the other thing she does, she thinks the stuff itself, which again, all right, a little funky, um, especially for Christians, but you don't have to thank the stuff to follow the process. You can thank God for the, the joy, the comfort, um, the, the gift, whatever it was that you got. One of the things that she hits on is if somebody gives you a gift that you have no functional purpose for, and you don't want to keep, you can just thank for her, it would be thanking the thing, but you just thank God for this gift that so-and-so gave me for, um, for making them my friend, for having them think of me, for the joy I felt when I received it. Um, if you do that for every article of clothing, even if it's just very quickly, like, thank you for this person. Thank you for this gift. Thank you for that moment. I mean, the whole thing is like an extended prayer an extended, extended thank, uh, exercise in thankfulness and gratefulness as well, which is very Christian and works out very well.
1: Um, your outline says to keep Matthew six open in the room with you oh, while you yeah. do this, but shouldn't Matthew six be fold it up and oh, she, put in a corner I, somewhere where I can't find it.
0: I mean, I think that maybe that's a little hokey, but I mean, like if you a lot hokey, No, cause she but does I understand it. No, she does her little things. She uh, does little aromatic sprays or she um, takes a deep breath or she has like her little practices. And I think, um, returning to your Bible and like rereading the scripture and, and meditating on Matthew six, um, is a great way to get through this process. Um, The other thing, um, so the last thing we kind of wanted to focus on with regard to tidying was kind of the effect it's had on our kids. Um, And I think that like on a very simple level, it's exactly what we've said, but to like simplify it down to kids' terms, it's that it's good to let go of things because they don't matter in the big picture. The eternal thinking, the things aren't our master. We don't need lots of stuff to have what God wants for us. All of those things are, um, when you live your life this way, um, they become ingrained in the kids.
1: Which is a hard, oh, it's a hard lesson for a four-year-old, right? Because
0: But not as hard as I imagined so it would be.
1: Yeah, he's a peculiar boy. I mean, he he's actually, I think, gotten, our oldest um, has gotten, I think, a little into it. He likes to, you know, oh, we're going to give this away and he'll pick, you know, oh, we should give it to... So yeah, and, and that's so. we, the other thing that's been um, really great. Yeah, and we, we have a friend who their kid is really into a show that our kids
0: You can say Paw Patrol. Pff,
1: I can, I choose not to. Okay. Um and we had extra I mean we have we still have extra <laughs> yeah, no sting of we... paw patrol toys. But we had, and so he was way into it. So we gave some stuffed animals away and he sleeps with a different one every night. Like he he's way into these stuffed animals. They've really blessed his life a lot and it it's helped to show like if you can do that where you can give something and show your kids look here's how what we're doing yes but, you gave away your toy but they but blessed someone yeah, else look how happy and it's dane making him and dane does get
0: that cuz dane now picks up toys and it's like the same kid that he knows that, that that we gave some toys to he's like we should give this to that kid again and it's the idea that like oh he will be he will be happy because of it and that's uh that's worth instilling in your kids so it can be a significant spiritual discipline that I let's put it this way you watch the show you read about people's testimonies about the Kanmari method and it changes people's lives and perspective and if they don't know Jesus, if they don't know why, it doesn't mean that God's intent and will for them is not in the process. The reason people come away feeling lighter and free and like they have a new lease on life from this method is because when you really apply it to scripture, it it's really something that brings us closer to the will of God.
1: Well, like anything, if you can apply scriptural lessons to your life, I think, you know, it's probably going to benefit you.
0: And And as you told me, before I was a Christian, just because you don't believe God's there doesn't mean he isn't. And, and That's to not what
1: I said. What I said is just because you don't believe in God
0: doesn't, doesn't
1: mean he doesn't believe in you.
0: Okay. Regardless, he's in the process and the reason the process is called the life-changing magic is because that there is a supernatural element in it and when you release the control that stuff has over you, you're releasing something and letting something else in.
1: You know, this segment will never end if we both insist on getting the last <laughs> word in. So that, I think, brings us to our, uh, our closing segment.
0: So that came up. So in this segment, we talk about something that happened in the week, something that the kids brought up that we were just totally unprepared to deal with. And this week, uh, I was putting on my makeup. The kids were being, at least from the other room, it seemed like they were being pretty good. Dane comes in upset and says, Levi broke my Lego and he's not my brother anymore. I wonder if
1: those two things were related.
0: (laughs) He's Honestly, I think that we have weirdly—our kids get along weirdly well. Um, They usually are fine. When Levi gets tired, it gets a little rough. And Levi likes to break Legos a lot, and usually Dane deals with it well, but this time he decided that he wasn't his brother anymore. And um, so— I took a deep breath. This was, like, one of those times. You know how sometimes when you're parenting, you just, like, are, like, on the edge and you don't have time to, like, be the good parent? This was one of those times where I was not in a hurry. And so I, like, took the deep breath. And then I did, you know how Jesus loves us no matter what, (laughs) which is one of the discipleship points in my kids' ministry for kids in Dane's age. So every second Sunday of the month their theme is Jesus loves us no matter what. So and he has to go to Sunday school twice because the poor kid, like they just get dumped in um, Little's child care and they go through the circle time twice. So not only does he hear it every single month, but he hears it twice every single month. So he said, "Do you know how Jesus loves us no matter what? Um, he wants us to love others that way and that it not be, con- you know, and I started talking and talking and. As it does almost every time a serious conversation comes up, I took it way too long and rambled on for way too long. And when I do that, Dane does the exact same thing, which is he smiles at me and starts to try hugging me to shut me up. Um, and that's exactly what he did An in this case. Tactic.
1: <laughs> he's not a he's a bright kid.
0: No, and he does, and he does get it. He did get it at first. I just went on too long. But like my big point about this, and this is like the like kids director, ministry director, like on my soapboxes. Like, I work really hard to make points that, like, can apply in your everyday life. And I do, like, I really try to over-communicate what we do. And they can be used in, like, the simplest ways when your kid messes up or when your kid needs guidance. And if nobody's paying attention to what we do, then it's pretty much, they can memorize it, they can repeat it back to you. But if it doesn't get applied in their life, it means absolutely nothing. So... Well, that's... My takeaway would be, like, please know what your kid's doing that's in kids' ministry and use it because it's just a waste it, of my time not to.
1: Or your ministry director if you don't happen to live in our town. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what Jesus did, right? I mean, Jesus was in the desert, and he was tempted by by Satan, and he repeated back their Old Testament stories. But they mm. would have been Sunday school stories, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the you know, the devil said, Oh, are you hungry? Then turn all the the stone to bread. And Jesus said, Oh, man doesn't live by bread alone. That's an old testament story. It's something you would have learned in Sunday yeah, school. I'm oh, just there, like Jesus
0: in school. that way, then Dane. No, you're Joel, more like his Sunday school is.
1: teacher. Um, right. Or, you know, jump off here and catch, you know, oh, the Bible says don't test God. It it gives them something to fall back on when they do get older and run into those problems that they have that foundation and you know you hit on something of if they if they memorize it that's different than knowing it yeah and getting them to apply it in their life kind of drives that home and then when they get older they'll apply it because they that's what you do yeah when you run into a situation where you're not sure what to do you apply those lessons and you move forward
0: so in this uh so that happened. I get to be, like, the hero of the story besides the fact that I talked too long, which is, believe it or not,
1: always At least he the didn't case. ask you to keep
0: it in. <laughs> he says what he says to me. Keep it in, Mom. That's his way of telling. He doesn't— he's never, I'm going to have to get one of those signs
1: for this podcast.
0: He's never um, told us to shut up or done anything like mean like that. But when he gets frustrated with us and he wants us to be quiet, he tells us to keep it in. <laughs> so— Um, the last thing we're going to do before we go is pray, um, for you and your families and for us and ours. So we're going to do that on our way out. Let's pray. Lord, please bless this podcast. Bless the people that are listening to us. Fill Joel and I with the Holy Spirit so that we can actually say things that are useful to people that help them to, um, keep you at the center of their lives that, um, help you to just get through the week and even if we give absolutely nothing useful if it just makes people laugh and brings them joy and blesses them we're totally happy with that so just help us to do that Uh, bless the families and the people listening to this podcast bless our own family protect our kids keep us healthy and until next week jesus in your name amen amen Thanks for listening. Please take a second to rate and subscribe to this podcast. It helps others to find us and to be hashtag blessed by the discussions that we have here. Until next week, we hope you have a peaceful week. But even if you don't, remember that you can find us and Jesus waiting for you in the chaos.